Unapologetics Live with Matt Slick and Andrew Rappaport, part of the Christian Podcast Community. All right, we are live, Apologetics Live. And we are glad to be out here. We have some open Q&A, so if you have some questions and want to get them answered, anything apologetically, whether dealing with the Bible, whether dealing with atheism, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, anything that you want, will be up for discussion. We may have a friend come in and talk about what we're going to start off with. I'm going to start off with a response that I'll have to an email that I got last show. So last uh, last week when we were doing our show, had someone that emailed, and we're going to respond to that email and show you the importance of doing original research. Not a lot of people do that because, well, it takes time. It's harder. And we're going to show you the importance of doing that. Now, I'm Andrew Rapport from Striving for Eternity Ministries, host of the Rap Report podcast. That's Rap with two Ps. And so you can go and listen to that. Go to any podcast app, get Rap Report, put it in with Rap with two Ps. Andrew Rapport's Rap Report 2 are going to show up. Rap Report Daily is a Monday through Friday, two minutes. So if you like short, Daily stuff, that's for you. Go get that. You can uh, get that on a, on a regular basis, Monday through Friday. If you prefer something longer, well, we have the wrap report. That's about an hour long each show, and we will do more of that. Uh, going to do more things on that uh, that we can't do in a two minutes. So go out and check them both out. Now, Matt is not with us at least yet. <clears throat> probably, maybe not tonight. We're going to see. Uh, Matt, as some of you know, is been packing and trying to get himself, uh, basically get himself ready to move. And so uh, hopefully uh, we will have him back. But by the time he gets back, as he gets his move underway, I will probably be in the Philippines. Uh, so we're going to be having one or two of us <laughs> for uh, for May. We're going to see, we will have some special guests that are going to be coming in while I'm gone. Dr. Anthony Svestro is going to be coming in. So that will be really exciting for, especially for those of you who particularly like creation science, because that's his expertise. And he's going to focus a lot on that. So that may be something that you want to check out and uh, make sure that you're listening those weeks. And if you're not aware, this show is a podcast as well. So if you go and search on podcasts for Apologetics Live, you can get the audio of this every week as they drop. Usually they drop the next day. So uh, I want to give time, uh, at least to start, I'm going to share screen here. Do, 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 do. Here we go. So I got this email, and uh, see, I'll, I'll close that down so it's not as distracting. Um, and I want to read this so you can see this is the email that we got, and I'm not taking it out of context because I know how, uh, well, how the black Hebrew Israelites, or they call themselves now Hebrew Israelites, like to respond and claim that people are taking them out of context and fun things like that. Oh, let me just do this real quick so I can get my... 
I can see the chat here. Okay. All right. There we go. <coughs> Excuse me. So, uh, and I see that the author of this got this uh, email is here in chat or at least watching. He's welcome to join and we'll see if uh, he can defend his arguments after we uh, show the arguments. But here's what he says. I want to, I'll read it to you. I have, he, so he says, I have seen the founder of this website debate my fellow Israelites, and I would like to take the opportunity to prove why so-called black people are Hebrews. I would like to display why the so-called black blacks are true Hebrews and show legitimate sources for the Kaza theory and dispute the Samaritans never left argument. Now, first off, I don't know the Samaritans never left argument that, so I didn't make a, either of these arguments. So he wants to challenge me on something I didn't say. Okay. But I, I find that this next part kind of interesting. I expect a detailed essay in response. Otherwise I consider my stance as an Israelite true by forfeit and mind you, and my mind will never be changed. Okay, so here's something that you get with folks, and I want to point this out uh, so that you can see how people end up arguing. All right, let me bring this back onto me. So, <coughs> excuse me. So the thing that you see here is he makes an argument that if I don't give a detailed response, in other words, if I don't give a response that's satisfactory to him, then he's right because it's not detailed enough and his mind can never be changed. So what's the argument for truth in his mind? Well, himself, because notice it's, if it's not detailed, a detailed essay. So if I wrote like 15 pages of absolute and utter nonsense, but it's very detailed, would that prove that he's wrong? Actually, no, it wouldn't. I tried to illustrate that to him by just, basically giving him a quick response and telling him eventually that if he doesn't, res if he responds to me, if he responds to this email, then that proves that he's trying to convince himself he's right. And therefore I'm right. That was the argument that I ended up making with him is to say that if he responds, that proves I'm right. That's a bad way of arguing, by the way. Uh, but it's an, it's something that people will do because, well, they lack an actual argument. Now, I'm going to show, let me click back to sharing the screen so you could see what his argument is here. Now, let's let's see what this detailed argument. He, he was very upset with me that I responded quickly. Uh, I gave him an answer. I basically told him he was a joke and not worth my time because I actually have things to do. Obviously, he doesn't. Now, he thinks that this was a very detailed argument that he made. He says, now I will prove that Adam was black and he's going to base it all from this book. Whoop. I guess I can't. There we go. Uh, he's going to base it all on this book, Biblical History of Black Mankind. Now, I want to show why doing original research is important. He believes that this work that he put together all from one source mind you from the biblical history of black mankind he's going to make all this argument from there 
Okay, he's going to give some videos. By the way, you got to love when a place calls themselves realhistoryww.com. I mean, that's got to be classic. If if a, a group has to call themselves real history, it usually means nobody else is saying this because they can't support it any other way. So it, it's kind of one of the things like the, when, when people have to claim their own intelligence, right? <clears throat> so let's just look. This is not going to take very long to debunk. It's actually in the very first sentence. <clears throat> now, this is one that I'm going to spell for the, out some of these things for those who are listening on podcast. So in this book, Biblical History of Black Mankind, chapter one, page five, he says that C. McGee Livers states that who is Adam? Okay, so this is from that resource. And it says, quote, the Hebrew word for Adam, A-D-A-M, is Adham, A-D-H-A-M. That's going to be important. He's adding the letter H in there. That becomes important. And is phonetically pronounced Adham, A-D-H-A-M. Now, he goes on to say, in biblical days, a name said a lot about an individual. According to Brown Driver Briggs Hebrew lexicon, page 10, the word Adham means dusky, tainy, to have dark skin, thwarty, shadowy. It also means mankind. So notice here what he did. He says that Adam really should be pr- pronounced Adham. Well, here's what I would like to do if we can. <clears throat> Just go to, well, let's go to the Hebrew. Let us start. For those who can see on screen, I have my logos up here. Uh, we go to the word Adam in our English. We'll right-click here so that we can get the word that is that is there, and we'll do a quick word study on this. And what do you know? It comes up as Adam, A-D-A-M, no H in there. Hmm. So what we could do very quickly is click on the Brown Driver Briggs, And as you can see, for those who are watching, here's the brown driver big. So you see exactly what I'm pulling up. This is what this gentleman didn't do. Uh, Notice, if you will, uh, in his email, it just says brown driver Briggs lexicon page 10. Hmm. That's interesting because what we end up seeing is when we go to Adam, the actual word we see here, it means man or mankind. Uh, So, Definition number one is a man or a human being. Definition number two is man or mankind. Definition number three is first man. And definition number four is a city in Jordan, in the Jordan Valley. Hmm. Nowhere does this say anything about shadowy, dark skin, none of that. That's because this is the actual word Adam, which is how you would pronounce it, not Adham. You see, what he did here is he fell for a very simple trick, and he thinks this guy is so scholarly, he didn't check the work. If he would have checked Brown Driver Briggs, he would have realized that this guy, McGee Livers, who wrote Biblical History of Black Mankind, he would have realized right away that the guy's telling falsehoods. 
because that's not what Brown Driver Briggs is saying. Brown Driver Briggs is saying that the word Adam means mankind. Now, he goes on to add the, the letter Hoth for the H sound. When he goes to his, when, when he's going to his uh, thing here, and for those who can see, if not, I'll spell this out. But notice, he's saying A-D-A-M should be pronounced A-D-H-A-M, giving himself a new word. And that word can mean, now, that word happens to mean not dark-skinned, but just dusty, okay, or from the earth. So what he does is this gentleman, whoever wrote this book, Black Biblical History of Black Mankind, what he's done is done a bait and switch. He does something that sounds really good, that Adam in English should be Adham. But if you, again, look at this, let me show you. This is an Aleph. That would be your A sound. This is silent, a silent vowel. This is your Dalif for your D. Here is the A, and that's the M. So Adam, okay, when you have this, uh, so these are going to be basically what you have for the letters. You don't have an H sound. Uh, an H is, let me see, I could probably pull this up real quick because we'll give you a quick, I bet, here we go. I don't think I left it up. Here's the alphabet. So here's your Aleph. He's arguing that this letter is in there, the hey. Do you see a hey anywhere in this word for Adam? No, you don't. No, you know why you don't? Because it's not there. Because that's not how you would say Adam. And so what he's done here is he has done, fell for a bait and switch. He fell for something that, unfortunately for him, he's believing is legitimate. And it's not. <clears throat> so I, I feel bad for the gentleman who is trying to argue this way. It's a bad way to argue. You should not be arguing. Uh, you should do original source material, okay? And when you do, you end up seeing that things like this are not legitimate. Uh, now, if, uh, if he wanted to come in here, I, I know he's in watching, and he was commenting earlier, and I don't know, I'll see. so he's still commenting, uh, but he's not in here. Now, obviously, it's easy to get in here because we got three other people who are in. But this is what I want to show you with this is, <coughs> excuse me, when we do this, I want you to recognize how it, easy it is to disprove these arguments because Brown Driver Briggs does not say that Adam means shadowy, dark-skinned, or any of that, okay? And that is an easy way for anybody uh, how to be able to just, if someone mentions they have a source, go back to that source. Don't accept, what was the name of this book again? Uh, Biblical History of Black Mankind. Don't accept that as if that's all you need. Okay? Because what we end up seeing is when people do that, 
they don't go back to the original source and you may be fooled into thinking something as this gentleman was. He's fooled into thinking that Brown Driver Briggs actually teaches what he thinks it teaches. And this is why I would say that the guy is a joke because he hasn't done basic. I mean, basic stuff. We didn't, I didn't even have to get past the rest of this email. The rest of it was just as bad, but the reality, because it's all based on that, that assumption. And yet the assumption is false. So what you, that's the thing I want you guys to see. It is important to do original research. It's one of the things that makes my job difficult because that's what I do. When someone gives me articles, I don't just take their word for it that someone else said what they said. I go and research that. That's what you do when you're going to do original research. And you're going to find that there's a lot of times that these sort of things, you can easily pick up a wrong. Okay. And so this is important to do. Uh, now, unfortunately, this gentleman doesn't want to come in here and discuss this, but uh, we're going to see if uh, maybe he will later. He's probably so, you know, he, he said this took him so long to respond, so long to type up, and therefore I needed to give him a detailed response. Um, I didn't need to go much more detail than that, right? The The basis of his argument is based on a falsehood. I just showed you Adam means man, mankind. It doesn't mean dark skinned. Okay. So uh, we're going to add in, I added in uh, manager 01. Let's see. Let me bring your volumes up. Where are you? All right. So you can unmute yourself. Let's see. I don't know if I can unmute you. There you go. Do you have any questions for us tonight? Oh, he muted. I just unmuted you. You remuted yourself. So go <laughs> unmute yourself there. And see when I'm when I'm doing both host and both roles here, I'll unmute you again here if I can. Let's see if that works. There you go. So manager one. Do you have any questions for us tonight? Okay. I think he said no. He doesn't have any questions. Shake your head if you said no. Because he said it quick and we didn't hear. The first thing I know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I will try to watch the uh, chat if you end up having a question. Um, there, there were a bunch of folks chatting away in the inside chat here. Um, I'm going to add Kat. You were in next. So you can unmute yourself. And I know you mentioned something about a uh, Bible earlier. It's hard to read two different chats when I'm also trying to read my own screen to, <laughs> to talk about this stuff. So how are you doing, Kat? I'm good. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I guess I could say that to you. Now I'm shamed. Okay, yeah. Um, well, no, I wanted to ask, because today I j it was the first time somebody posted a scripture that was automatically generated, um, and it was from the, oh, what is this called again? Lexham English Bible. Mm -hmm. It was Isaiah 28, 10. Uh, well, yeah, no, really, it was just 10. And how that read was, for it is blah, blah upon blah, blah. 
blah, blah upon blah, blah, gaga upon gaga, gaga upon gaga, a little here, a little there. And I initially thought the person was being disrespectful to the scriptures until they pointed out it's actually a translation of version of the Bible, which is a little different from uh, like in the ESV, for it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Uh, what verse were they looking that up in? It is Isaiah twenty-eight ten, And so my concern was not really what the scripture itself is saying, but for me to see a Bible where it is, is translated as blah, blah upon blah, blah. I just wanted to know what, if anything, you knew about the Lexham English Bible, because it seems a little disrespectful, in my opinion, and I could be viewing it totally wrong. Yeah, so, <coughs> excuse me, the, the Lexham uh, is, the, the only familiarity I, I know of the Lexham, I first came upon it when it came to the, um, to Logos Bible software. And that's what they use. And yeah, I just I just looked it up to confirm. That's by the way what we were talking about earlier. What we do when we do original research, you say it, go check it out. And yeah, it says that in verse ten and verse thirteen. Um, that's a very interesting uh, interesting translation that they did. Um, I'm not too familiar with the original translators here that did the translation. I know, I, I don't know. The only time I ever hear of Lexham is tied to Lagos. So I don't know if this comes from the Lagos scholars. Uh, I'm trying to dig that up yeah, right I now to see who it is. Um, I don't know. In the footnotes, it says specifically for that scripture, I'm reading in this context, the Hebrew expressions, and I don't know how to pronounce it. T S A W T S A W. And Q-A-W, Q-A-W, are likely meant to sound like baby talk, but they could mean command upon command and roll upon roll. So I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I got a little, you know, I got a little um, hair on the back of my neck went up and I kind of, you know, <laughs> blah, blah. Scripture does not say blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, they're saying that this is for a smoother translation. Let's let's do this. Oh, thank you, Charlie, for that link. Which let's see, Charlie. Charlie is quick with the links. He's awesome. He is the link information yeah. resource king. I am convinced that Charlie knows. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that Charlie knows the um, the Carm site better than Matt Slick. I'm just convinced of this. Because he has those links for CARM faster than Matt can get them at times. Seriously. So let's see if I could share screen. Um, and I will share that Bible. I should probably make this larger for folks who are watching. Uh, because it's probably kind of small. All right. So here this is in the English Standard Version. And uh, if we take a look at precept upon precept and look that up, okay, it is, it comes up here as, actually, I've not used too many times, most of it right here in this Isaiah, actually all of them except for one in this Isaiah 28. So precept upon precept is nothing or worthless, vanity, destruction. Um, and so if you look here, I'll enlarge that for folks so that they get an idea. 
they can read this. But as you see there, it does say blah, blah, upon blah, blah, gaga upon gaga. And uh, so it does seem that the they're thinking, and this is this other word here. We can quickly pull that one up. And it says that this means babble. So, okay. Uh, line upon line, actually, which is interesting, right? Because if the word here means babble, where it says line upon line, if that actually means babble, then maybe blah, blah, and gaga make more sense. Um, if precept upon precept is meaning vanity or nothingness, as maybe you could see, it's worthless, as, as you can see from the word. I think they're trying to emphasize, my guess, the translators, maybe to emphasize its meaninglessness and its babble. Now, this would be really hard for those that are the Hebrew Israelites because they turn to this passage all the time to say, this is how you interpret the Bible. And they always focus on the here a little, there a little, because they say you have to grab a little here, grab a little there. That's how you're supposed to do your... Um, oh, I have I wasn't sharing, was I? I just noticed that. Yeah, you weren't sharing at all. <laughs> well, all right. well, I could... Let me go back. Why didn't that share? You know, know. Google Hangouts sometimes. Yeah, it's glitchy. Um, yeah. When you get a chance, also, check out John 1.1. 1, 1. That's a little odd. In the lectern? Yeah, in the uh, LAB. Yeah. But, okay. yeah. But go ahead and show everybody this one. Did I hear this? Okay. Now you want me to show everyone yeah. this one? Well, All right. Whatever you want. But, I mean, so here you see it. Wow. Upon Gaga. Um, and if you, you see the, the meaning of the blah, blah there is v- worthless or nothing. And the Gaga that they translated is Babel. Uh, the. New English, the uh, English Standard Version has it as precept upon, actually almost all translations I know do it precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Uh, the the King James would be similar. So, that's kind of interesting. Isn't this the verse that the uh, Black Hebrew Israelites use to uh, determine how their scriptures? <laughs> Correct. They will use this one part. Now, this this is the thing. Uh, so, let's let's bring up just for since we're talking about the Hebrew, the fake Hebrew Israelites, right? Um, since they don't want to be called black because they say they're not black, we'll um, refer to them as fake Hebrew Israelites because they're not Hebrew Israelites. Uh, so we'll look at the Holy King James Version. We'll make that a little larger so it can be seen. And for precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Now, they focus just on this, the here a little, there a little. And they will argue that's how we're to interpret Scripture. We take a little from here, take a little from there. That's how you interpret. Well, that's really bad. No, yeah. Because if you look at this, it's saying, it sure looks like it's saying, in English at least, you build one precept upon another precept, one line upon another line. And, you know, looking, because I haven't actually looked into the Hebrew here until today with this, but, you know, maybe this is a better translation because it, if the word is nothingness, then what this would be saying is, for nothing must be upon nothing and nothing upon nothing. 
babble upon babble, babble upon babble, here a little, there a little. Now, when you read this in the context, right, you see that uh, for stammering lips, it's going to talk about nonsense. People that try to use doctrine and they create it out of nonsense. Now, that's the context there, which is, I think, kind of interesting that the Hebrew Israelites always want to go to this because if they actually read the now we understand they focus just on line upon line or sorry on, on here a little, there a little, they focus just on that to say, Hey, you're supposed to grab a little bit of the Bible here and a little bit there and slam them together. We call that proof texting, by the way, when you grab different passages of the Bible out of their context, slam them together. That's called proof texting. That's not how you're to interpret. That's a bad way to interpret. They do that all the time and they, argue for this so they say oh you're not supposed to read the bible as if it's a novel uh that's exactly how you're supposed to read it uh so let's take a look john you said john 1 1 yeah check that out see if that's a in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god okay like you're oh okay um on their website it shows On their website, it shows this: in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, and the. Oh, okay. Never mind. I totally missed it. I. Yeah, I re- re- misread it, <laughs> and the Word was God. Okay. Okay, so vocab. Never mind how he can come in. So vocab. Go to apologeticslive.com. There is a link to join there that you can join us. I was hoping that vocab would come in. I should give a shout out to, let me try to read this. Full Belly Bear. Full Belly Bear gave $4.99 in a super chat. He says he's currently reading your book, Vocab. So, Vocab, you have someone that's out there reading your book, and I actually need to get a copy. I should ask Vocab when he gets in here. How do I get a copy? Um, he, for folks who don't know, while he's, we wait for him to come in, uh, Vocab is probably. I don't know anybody who has researched fake Hebrew Israelites more than vocab. Uh, Jason Manning just gave a $5 super chat. Vocab needs the go- the Google Hangout link. How about freestyle with Andrew? So let me just, I will just drop the link in here. There, you, There's a link vocab <laughs> or anyone else that wants to come on in. How do I get that to go away? So, uh, Vocab Malone has probably done more research than anybody I know with the fake Hebrew Israelites. Um, I know that they love to challenge me because, well, um, I'm actually an Israelite. Um, they don't like that. You know, and the way you, you can tell someone is by their, you know, from their genealogy, you go and you ask who's their father and their father, and their father, and so on, and so on, and so on. And when you can trace your line all the way back, then that's who your your genealogy is. So I don't know if this is vocab or a, or a Hebrew Israelite. They're coming in with some Hebrew is their name. And the font is way too small for me to read. So you could just unmute yourself. Looks like I am. Okay. So I am. I'll just call you I am. You can unmute yourself. Or not. There you go. 
What's your name? Javier. Javier, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. What's your background? Um, I'm a Christian. I live in California. Currently in college. All right. Now help me out because the font is way too small for me to read this in the screen. What's the Hebrew? I can see it's Hebrew, but I can't read that. Not without oh, it's, it's just the name of God. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the I am, I was like, oh, okay. All right, so do you have, yeah. any, question, do you have any questions? Um, well, I was just listening to you guys talking about the... Uh, other version okay blah blah and blah blah (laughs) okay well if you have a question you can just unmute yourself and jump on in uh vocab is here by the way uh full belly bear just gave a one dollar 99 cent super chat saying haha fake hebrew israelites (laughs) the vocab's probably going to get on my case for calling them fake hebrew israelites and tell me i'm i i I gotta be nicer or something (laughs) vocab how you doing brother I am doing all right. Can you guys hear me good? Yes. Okay, excellent. Is that a flying spaghetti monster hat or something? No, this is a... He's called the lookout guy. So, back in a day, I used to be an amateur graffiti artist. And so, this guy's got really big eyes and a couple spray paint cans, so he looks out if you're doing graffiti art. That's who that is. <laughs> Since you asked. <laughs> well, I figured if, if, it, if it wasn't that, it was going to be some, I thought it'd be some pop culture reference. I wouldn't get it. John would come in here laughing. I don't get pop culture. But so vocab, before you came in, uh, I was responding to an email that I got last week. And the, the gentleman, or I'm assuming gentleman, uh, was in the chat. So he was watching my response, but didn't come in to respond. He basically was arguing that the word Adam that we would say in English is properly pronounced adham and means dark skinned, dark or shadowy. And it can also mean mankind. Uh, So we were going through the Hebrew there for the word Adam to show it actually just means mankind. (laughs) Um, So first off before uh, let's, let's give folks uh, a little bit about you and where can we get your book? Um, it's on Amazon and it's also on a website called thebookpatch.com. Those are the two places. Give you know, he's going to reach for it. Give the title of the book. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, oh, yeah. I don't know what you did with your lighting, but man, it made you look like you were. Uh, it's uh, called Barack Obama versus the Black Hebrew Israelites. And um, I'm trying to adjust my lighting. Is it better now? Oh, yeah. Before you look like it, it, it. Actually, I don't know what you did with the lighting. It was really cool because it just what everything behind you is white. Right. Angelic. I could do yeah. it again. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at when you had. Yeah. If you turn if you turn at the camera where you had it before. Yeah. Hold on. We can. We can get the, uh, but there's there's the book. It's got a nice glossy cover and it's called Barack Obama versus Black Hebrews of Life because there's a movie scene. Uh, that was like Obama's biopic, and there's a brief scene where he argues with some Hebrew Israelites in this in this biograph biographical pic that was on Netflix. And so I said, "That's a good title for the book." I have not seen that video. 
have to it's go just, it's just it's not it, you know it's an actor so i don't know if it happened but he did walk through harlem when he was at columbia so it's hypothetical that it could happen which that means obama is the earliest apologist against hebrew israelites <laughs> well i don't know about that because i think the I, I know that i've been arguing with him for longer than he's been president but i don't know <laughs> i'm just kidding um hey we just got a super chat uh from soldier for jesus christ 999 and it says god bless you brothers in jesus christ so a lot of people wanting to give that extra 99 cents <laughs> or just wanting to save a penny <laughs> so so you've done some vocab i think more research on the fake hebrew israelites than anybody i know uh what got you studying this particular group out well so um they they first appeared on my radar when they started showing up in my uh, kind of in my neighborhood in my old city, which is Columbus, Ohio. And um, they started busting into churches in the middle of services there. Uh, and my friend who was in the neighborhood, I had moved to Phoenix already. He told me about them and he said, um, do you know who these guys are? And I did not know them at the time, but I looked them up and found out and I said, whoa, this is. Because this is about a decade ago. I said, this is some religion, you know. And so um, I just kept it in my mind, you know. But I never saw them or ran into them until one day in Phoenix I did see them. So I said, let me go talk to them because I actually know a little bit about them. And it was just a wild conversation. I recorded the audio and I said, maybe people will be interested in this, even though I don't think anyone knows who who these guys are. So I uploaded it. And everybody wanted more. They wanted answers, you know. And so I was like, well, let me give you some resources. So I'd go around and look for resources. And I realized there's not really very many resources on these guys. What do I do? So I said, well, I'll just do it until someone else steps in. And then I kind of just ended up getting stuck there. (laughs) Well, were they, when you say they're busting into churches, were they busting into African American churches or white churches or? Either. predominantly historically black churches they would come in tell everyone they're israelites and they need to keep the law and if the congregation didn't accept it which they never did because you can imagine they would curse them out in their fake hebrew language and then they would leave right before the cops came okay now you, you brought up the fake hebrew language um so let's talk about that because they do i remember uh, one of the first times i had someone on the street try to tell me i don't know hebrew they did it because they they gave this long paragraph or so in something that sounded sort of hebrew but not really right. and i couldn't i could not discern any almost no words lashawan kadash yeah that's what it's called it's called lashawan kadash most hebrew speakers cannot make out what they're trying to say most so where did them- this come from well, this is something I never usually do, but I'm since I'm writing about this, I'm going to see if this makes sense if I read something that I'm working on writing. Um, and I think it will explain it. The main difference between Lashawan Kodash and modern Israeli Hebrew is that the former does not possess the vowels O, E, or U, nor does it have consonants that produce the sounds for V. The one vowel that Lashawan Kodash has that is not present in modern Israeli Hebrew is an I, as in pi or kite. Uh, 
which is only produced in the ayin, the 16th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Proponents of the Lashawan Kodash dialect assert that this letter can only be pronounced as an I. In other words, they believe, and then I've got a, I, I got a little chart here I'm working on that kind of breaks down the way they pronounce each each letter, and I'll just read it to you here because you'll you'll see this is this is their alphabet pronunciation. What I'm reading here: Ka ya ta cha za wa ha da ga ba a ta sha ra. Ka taza pa i sa na ma la. That's their alphabet. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and so, um, the, no. their dialect comes from the fact that lashon kadesh means holy tongue. But since one westers, this is the certain type of Hebrews who uses this. They pronounce it lashawan kadesh. Similarly, they pronounce the popular greeting shalom as shalawam or shalam. With regard to their salutation, one of the groups who broke away was called the House of David. They went underwent some evolution, and they used to do Shalom back in the mid-90s, but then they realized there was a Vav in there. So they switched to Shalom and later to Shalom. That's hard to say, Shalom. Over time, then they basically admitted this group particularly, this is one of the split-off camps, that they didn't know Hebrew. And so now they just say Shalom. So a lot of times when one of these groups will break off from the One West variety, their language will undergo some kind of change as well. Like GOCC, they're the only ones who call Jesus Yeshaya, whereas everyone else calls him Yahawashai. But yet they're still a One West Hebrews-like group. It's a common thing they do. Since none of them know Hebrew, they'll make these weird uh, changes sometimes when they break out. And some of them just become pragmatic. IUIC, even though they hold a Lashawan Kodash, they say, well, nobody knows it, so we'll just call them Christ like everybody else. And their name is actually Israel United in Christ. They don't even use the Lashawan Kodash, even though they still hold that it's valid. So it's it's uh, it's a big uh, mix-up thing. But there's a lot of Hebrew Israelites who aren't involved with this, and they either want to learn real Hebrew or some of them actually learn real Hebrew. But those are not the guys you encounter on the street. Yeah, now, th- now this this form of or dialect of Hebrew, we see, I think the earliest we see it is for in Harlem in like, was it the 60s? Yeah, and there's some uh, debate about that because Abba Bivens is now understood to be the originator of it in some way. But up until recent times, everybody thought a guy named Arya was the originator. Ariah had some kind of vision or dream. It's a little bit unclear. You have different versions of the story, and they're all oral, usually from former members, sometimes from current members. And it basically is he 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 saw a black man or a black angel speaking a language he didn't understand, and he said, what's that? And he said, that's the language of your forefathers. And then he had the Lashawan Kadash alphabet basically from that. But it's come to light, really, the Abba Bivens was bringing out this language, although it wasn't really in full force at the beginning stages of the camp. And so that was slightly before. So it's unclear exactly when it fully developed because this group, the one West variety of Hebrews lights, these are the guys on the street. These are not all Hebrews lights, but they're the most militant and visible prior to that. They had broken off from a group called the commandment keepers and the commandment keepers fancied themselves related to the Ethiopian falashas. And they actually engage in trying to learn real Hebrew. And so this is sort of actually a devolution 
where now you have this Lashawan Kadash. And it's just one more way to say we're not affiliated with the Jewish stuff, basically, because then they call modern Israeli Hebrew, they call it Yiddish. Which we do have a Yiddish, and it's a mix of Hebrew and German. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I grew up hearing that in my household. But, and, and that's, this is one of the things a lot of people may hear if they encounter uh, uh, these guys on the streets. And there's, they'll hear people say, well, Hebrew went out of convention. People didn't speak biblical Hebrew, and they spoke a Yiddish, and therefore no one, you know, the, the people who claim they're they're Jewish and claim that they speak Hebrew today really don't speak Hebrew because nobody knows what it sounded like. And, and they claim that, you know, they have the proper pronunciation and therefore everyone else is wrong. One of the things that I there's some truth to this, that the majority of Jewish people spoke would speak a Yiddish dialect and not a not Hebrew as they do in Israel today, speaking a Hebrew. And I, the thing that people have to understand though, is in synagogues, the rabbis still spoke Hebrew. They would still read in Hebrew because that's what the Torah would be. And that's what the, you know, when they're reading from the scrolls, it was in the same Hebrew. So they've been doing that in the synagogues all along. And so they would have the pronunciations having passed down. So it doesn't have to be the common tongue of all Jewish people for it to be lost completely. I mean, it's kind of like people would say that, uh, I'm trying to think like with, with, uh, with Latin taking over with the Catholic church when people would speak Latin and therefore to, to then argue that we can't know what Greek sounds like because no one speaks that anymore. That actually be a, a better argument than the Hebrews try to make, but because not as many people spoke Greek, but Greek was still spoken. Uh, and so you can figure out how to pronounce it. it we, I think when they try to make this case that the Hebrew language speaking it died out until they kind of revived it uh, is just not a good way of arguing because we have rabbis and synagogues for centuries who have been speaking it. And therefore, they would be able to keep the pronunciations. So, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, I mean, <clears throat> the history is is good to explain and break down because um, most of them sort of have a uh, a caric- caricature of uh, of Jewish history, especially in the modern era, and a lot of it is based on a uh, revisionist history. That's partially of their own devising, and um, they they generally just don't accept it. And so, you know, one time I brought some of this up, and I said, you know, the first teachers at the old commandment keepers school, and um, even Ariyah, there's an old picture of Ariyah. This is, again, the guy who's credited a lot of times with bringing out Lashon Kadash. There's an old picture of him at a bar mitzvah. Now, his father was bringing him there, who was also involved with the commandment keepers, but that's significant. It shows there's a rabbinical Judaism influence on the early days of even the modern Hebrew Israelites. So we brought out, you know, all these guys that you look up to, 
they learned whatever Hebrew they knew from mainly Ashkenazi Jews in the United States or from their grammars sometimes, but a lot of times from like exposure to rabbis and Jewish synagogues. And when we bring that information out and kind of explain why that's an argument partially against their position, because one, one group of people are retaining the language and the other one is not, they actually, um, one of their main defenders used this elaborate analogy. And forgive me, I give you get it partially wrong. I'll give the short version. It was something like this. Um, the folks who I think in Japan who had originated jujitsu, and if someone knows, please correct me if I'm wrong. They essentially over time uh, forgot how to use it in the finer points of it. And um, it was sort of a lost art with the place in which it originated but it was still practiced in Brazil. And so then when um, the people, I think it was the Japanese, again, excuse me if I'm wrong, wanted to regain the knowledge of their own art form that they had originally invented, apparently a lot of them came to Brazil and studied under people like the Gracies, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, to understand their own lost art form. He actually used that as an analogy to say, so we had this language, we didn't retain it, but this other group of people who were ultimately uh, imposters, they retained it, and so we're picking it back up for them, but it doesn't necessarily mean we are not the people and they are. If that makes sense, that was an apologetic. Well, I, I want to clarify some terms because for People who don't deal with these guys on a regular basis may not know. And I, I want to do two things. You've mentioned a whole bunch of groups. I want to get to that because that's going to be a longer thing. But define for folks what an Ashkenazi Jew is when, and they make that distinction. So, uh, you know, Andrew, correct me where I'm wrong, but here's, here's the way I would put some of these things. Um, there's a such thing you might call scholars that study this called modern Jewry, J E W R Y. And it means we've had uh, a spreading out diaspora, diaspora. And so, because of that, um, people all the way back from the 70s, the 130s, all the way back, you know, the first and second century have spread out all over the world and went different places. The short version is. Those who kind of went through Europe and stayed there for a really long time, those are Ashkenazi Jews. So they have a similar phenotype. That means a display of their genetics, the way they kind of so-called racial characteristics that look similar to Europeans. But in, a lot of times in the West, that's where we're accustomed to seeing. Nose. We have a big nose and the dark curly hair and... You, you know why we have a big nose, by the way, right? I mean, I'm Italian, so I can't really say nothing, bro. I mean, well, I mean, you know. we, have a, we have a big nose because air is free. Okay. okay well, <laughs> I don't know the reason why we have them, but, uh, you know, uh, Mario and Luigi have big noses for a reason in their caricatures. But, but so <laughs> you, you, when you, uh, when you look at that, the thing is we're, we're kind of limited a lot of times. I think in a perspective of water and what modern day jewelry is because, we see primarily, especially in pop culture, the Jerry Seinfelds, the Larry Davids, the Larry Kings, people of Ashkenazi Jewish descent. But there's a few things to remember about that. As far as the ethnic, the 
features. It's a mistake to say first century Jews looked like identical to Ashkenazi Jews. And it's also a mistake to think that Ashkenazi Jews are the only kinds of Jews because they're Sephardic Jews. That's mainly Spaniard descent. And some of their traditions and other things are different. It's not an identical. There's Yemeni Jews. There were Iraqi Jews. They're almost all gone. And if you look at Iraqi and Yemeni Jews, they don't look the same. However, when we do a lot of genetics, we see matches between these different groups. And there is at least one group in South Africa slash Zimbabwe who matches up, especially in the male priestly clan of this group in Africa called the Limba. And everyone was surprised when they showed that these folks had up to 50% Levant DNA on the, on the men's side. It was sort of a shock, but and they have traditions that kind of match, but ironically, a lot of them are Christian, the, 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 the Limba people. But they look different than Ashkenazi Jews and somewhat to the Sephardic and definitely to the Yemeni and definitely to the Iraqi. And then you got Moroccan Jews, so folks in North Africa. You know, the closer you are to the Levant, generally speaking, even though there's been some Arabization, it appears, the more likely it is you look as if that's the main thing, but look probably to a first century Jew from what we can tell. And the reason why we say that is because there's something called bioforensics. They go and they take first century adult male Galilean skulls and they can get a general idea and they look pretty close to Iraqi Jews. And again, they're almost gone now. There's Iraqi Jews is now sort of a thing of the recent past. They're almost left. But it's, the reason why I had to look at this stuff is not because I had a deep desire to, to, to know some of those things. It's because I had to deal with Hebrew Israelites. And so it's countering their truth claims. Now, ultimately, it's the gospel. What is the gospel? Who is God? But along the way, you know, you uh, defend, defend, move on. Because uh, their obsession with who are the people of the book, it doesn't become your obsession, but... Uh, you need to have some facility to answer it. If you're sort of specializing in this, I'm not saying everyone needs to do that. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying for me, it has to become something that I'm, uh, you know, learning constantly about. And so um, I hope that was helpful to what you were asking, yeah. Brother Andrew. Well, I want to, I want to, because you just mentioned it's about the gospel. So let's get into, because someone had asked in the chat what it is they believe. And this is going to be hard because, for folks who are who are listening, or the the thing you have to understand, and I think vocab is going to could do this. If you haven't figured already, he's mentioned several different groups. The the thing that I think makes this so hard to research these guys is they're not a single you know group think type of. And there's some things that they almost all have in common, but very little. They they're like all over the board when it comes to their theology and what they believe. And it's going to depend on which group you're talking to. But could you go over at least some of the basics of what they would believe that would be different than what we might believe? I mean, they'll, some will say they're, they're Israelites. Some will say they're Israelites that are Christian. They'll, they'll claim Christ, but not all will. Yeah, that's a minority position will say we're Christian. Sometimes they'll say that's minority position. They'll say uh, we're the original Christians or something like that. But yeah, and, and yeah, no, most don't. Some accept the deity of Christ, some don't, right? So, 
could you go just give like an overview of at least some of the the main things maybe that they would all pretty much agree with and then where we would see some differences and and then where would we differ from them when they're new testament acceptors if they accept the new testament most of those guys are close to a king james only position or heavily favor it that's a common thing um uh, almost all of them that i've ever met um, because it's a big deal to them, reject any other modern-day claimants to being ethnic Jews, you know, so whether they're Sephardic or Moroccan or Yemen, yeah, I mean, they reject all, everybody. Um, most of them have some form of ethno eth- ethnic hierarchy built into their system. So some it's very crass and base, and it's like this. ISUPK, for example, will say, you're going to go into hardcore slavery, Esau, and the other nations will be there with you. You know, the Arabs and the Asians and the Africans will be there with you. And you're going to be in hardcore slavery. And that's going to be your lot for the rest of eternity, something like that. Others say, no, 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 you guys are going to be brothers with us in the kingdom. But we'll have a relationship that's sort of like husband to wife. They've been given different offices of position and leadership and Judah out of Israel always must lead. And that's why Gentiles cling to the garments, citing an Old Testament passage, of Israel for entrance into the household of faith. So they basically, when they have that view, they replace Christ as the mediator, and they put Israelites in, in the place instead. But they'll say, you can be our grafted in spiritual Israelite brother. But a lot of times they don't let you teach. And it, people always focus, and I understand, you know, they'll say white people, well, most of these groups, though, they have a whole othering system. Othering, you know, where you kind of do a xenophobic maneuver to put someone over there. Well, as I mentioned, Asians, Indians, like East Indians, you know, Pakistan, you know, that, the, they're all Arabs as well. Uh, you know, people of European descent and some other groups, too. So it's not just, you know, white folks or whatever. It's it's whoever they other. But uh the ethnic hierarchy is a standard feature of there's a softer version and a harder version, but it's a standard feature of all the groups. A rejection of the Trinity. I know of one exception and they're the group that looks closest to Christianity and they're not um, influencing, you know, the guys out on the street necessarily. When it comes to deity of Christ, a lot of times they haven't thought carefully through it, mainly because it's not a very important issue to them. And some of them will say yes, but, you, you got to understand there a lot. Some of them are henotheistic, meaning they actually have other gods in their system in a way, kind of like a Jehovah's Witnesses schema. And it's a little unclear sometimes what they understand by divinity in terms like that when you ask them about that. And so that's it. That's an issue. Um, and in salvation by work, some of the groups are crass where, yeah, you're earning your salvation. Others are a little more sophisticated where essentially it's more uh, like alchemy. You know, they're like, no, no, we're saved by grace. But then you must do the works of the law or you don't retain that grace, you know, or some weird uh, hybrid version. So as they spread out, some of these groups are getting mildly more sophisticated. And so you got to kind of ask them what they mean and see what's going on. And sometimes they do this. I'll give you an example dialogue. And this is the last thing I'll do because I mentioned several things that are kind of held in common. 
uh, the Christian might say to the Hebrews, like, are you saying that the Bible doesn't say that we're justified by faith apart from the works of the law? And the Hebrews like might say, what do you mean? You've just got to have both. We just read that. And then the Christian will point to Romans 3.28 and say, well, it says right here, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law or works of the law. And the Hebrews like might say, yeah, that's the works of the sacrificial law. You guys don't understand that works of the law is talking about the sacrificial law. And they'll say, what do you mean by that? <laughs> about that. <laughs> well, for example, Christ is our Passover, so we celebrate Passover, but we don't have to sacrifice the lamb or things like that. So they, they, they have these, this strange thing. They'll say, oh, the law is done away with. And a lot of times when they read it, they'll actually supply the word of sacrifice. They'll say, so, you know, the law is obsolete. The law of sacrifice is obsolete. You know what I'm saying? They'll, they'll do something like that. And they're basically saying you don't have to kill animals anymore. So well, interpretation of scripture is a big problem that they have uh, throughout. You know, you mentioned the othering they do. One of the, I, I, one of the things I think when it comes to logic, I find so interesting. They will try to argue. You mentioned line of Judah being important. They will have groups. They'll say the, Africans that were in the slave trade and came to America are from the line of Judah. Um, those that are in Jamaica, uh, I forget who, where they're, they, they basically argue that the tribes were taken by the slave traders and, and dropped off at different locations by their tribes. I find that to be one of the funnier things that they try to argue and not all of them argue that, but those that do, I find it so interesting because when they do, it's like, wait, you're, are you telling me someone who is kidnapping somebody from another country and his, his major concern is to keep the, the tribe together as they ship them across the ocean to sell them as a slave like that. They're going to make sure that they keep all the tribes of the same together. It's it's like just logically that's not going to work. So you give me a second. I've got a great quote on that man. I hope I can find this. I gotta. Okay, well, while you while you do the quote, let me let me some someone mentioned in the chat about your the reference you you quoted someone else referring to jujitsu, um, and so someone was asking if it, it, you're giving the, a little bit of a correction. And I can confirm it. So jujitsu was uh, founded in in Japan, there's a Japanese jiu-jitsu and there's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is really uh, from the Gracies, um, <clears throat> at least the way the, the 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 story goes from the Gracies. Uh, I forget which, which Gracie it was that physically could not compete. He just sat and watched as they practiced jiu-jitsu and he was really practicing there doing a Japanese jiu-jitsu. And he would watch it, but he couldn't actually compete because his health from a child was told he, he wouldn't be able to to do exercise. And there was a time where, you know, no one could teach the classes. So he started teaching. But because he just was observing, he actually had uh, he noticed different things of the techniques to improve because he was watching it and not practicing it, he picked up on different things. And that's actually what started what's known as Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or, or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, it became, uh, I guess when it came to America, they, they were calling it Gracie Jiu-Jitsu because it was the Gracie family. And it 
kind of became synonymous almost with Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, just because of the fact that, uh, you know, it, people were calling it Gracie jiu-jitsu in America, even when it wasn't specifically from the Gracies. So there's a, there, there was a, a back sometime, I think there was a difference between the Brazilian and the Gracies, but I think that's pretty much just mangled up now and people don't, I mean, there's people refer to them interchangeably. And so, uh, but yeah, there, I don't know that they lost it. Uh, thank you, Jason. It was Hilo. Hilo Gracie was the one. I'm going to assume that Jason does some jujitsu. <laughs> so I was also going to kind of point out, since we're talking about Blackie Brazilites, um, when I first started learning about them and doing the research on them, uh, YouTube is not exactly the safest place to do the research. <laughs> I found out because <laughs> um, you will hear a lot of racial uh, insults and slurs, and it is quite embarrassing. Uh, and it it's pretty bad. I mean, there are some groups out there that are um, pretty harsh when it comes to uh, speaking with other Jewish people or even even like other black people. I mean, they, if, if another black person does not agree with their, their theology, I mean, they are completely given all sorts of insults <laughs> well, um, because it's pretty bad. Yeah. They, most of the training that I've seen that they get is on YouTube. I mean, there, there's tons of stuff on YouTube and yes, when it comes to someone, when someone like me, who I will say I am an Israelite, I am Jewish they really have a problem with it and they get very irate and yeah, it, the language can be very, very racial. Uh, someone was commenting in the chat stuff that, and I've heard this myself that uh, some of them would say that we're, you know, eventually we, the the white people uh, are going to be the slaves of, of these folks um, to put it the way the one guy, you know, it's so, so interesting. I called out one guy for his language because he was claiming he's an Israelite and yet he's using foul language. I called him out on it. And the, the leader, they have like a, a hierarchy and the, 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 the one leader was telling him to watch his language. But we got the video of their video. They put it up online. And when we walked away, they were screaming. Like one, The one guy was going, I can't wait for the, the race wars to start popping so we can get these crackers being our slaves and raping their women. And and that's really a you know you end yeah. up with some of the groups they are so not only racist, I mean hyper racist, but their view is is really a revenge for something that none of them actually suffered. I mean none of them were actually slaves in America, but it's like this: they want to get this reverse, uh, you know, kind of a reverse justice, as if that somehow is gonna that that they're somehow going to be the slave owners and the interesting thing with it is nowhere in the old Testament. Do you see um, where the Israelites are going to be, uh, you know, as a part of God's blessing that they're going to be owning other people as slaves. And so it's one of the things that they, they say they're, they're, uh, they're Israelites, but um, you know, it's one of the things that I would see different. You know, they, they they don't quite follow. Let me just uh, give a quick shout out to Jason Manning, who says uh, he gave, gave a two dollar super chat, uh, Andrew Rapport and vocab freestyle. 
Freestyle has to do with some hip hop, if I'm not mistaken. And vocab can do that, maybe. You don't want to hear me rapping. Rap report, rap report. That's about as close as I get to rapping. Yeah, it's right there in the name. But um, actually, this is where more of their doctrine comes in. You said something that none of them suffered. Uh, they believe in reincarnation, so they did suffer it. Oh, really? Yeah. I yeah, they believe that Jesus is Adam, Solomon, Isaac, and I forget who else, for example. Uh, some of them even believe that. Well, hold on. So they, they believe that he's Solomon and not David? Because um, that would be interesting. It appears so. It appears so. Wow. And they used to teach one of their, uh, one of their teachers, who's now dead, a guy named Masha. They taught that he was King David reincarnated and so when he broke away and started his own school he called it the house of david but um that's important to consider and then i found this quote that was relevant you mentioned about the transatlantic slave trade it's a very short quote but it's very interesting this is general yohana speaking he's a leader of the isupk which is the israelite school of universal practical knowledge listen to this quote quote Slave traders sailed for months and days to get to specific points. They knew what people they were taking, specifically the lost tribes of Israel, end quote. So they actually think like Esau, you know, whoever the slave traders were, essentially is, you know, working in this wicked way where they, they know who they're getting. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is, I mean... I just don't picture guys that are involved in slave trades caring about that. Right. And then the other thing that I always find interesting is when I, when I'll talk to some was everyone who was an Israelite, were they part of the African slave trade? And I've had a couple of them that will say, yes, if they were a slave, that means they're part of the African slave. Oh Yeah. And when they say that, I just turn and say, okay, so you're telling me you have a brother and a sister or a brother and a brother or a sister and a sister, and one of them is an Israelite because they were captured and taken over as a slave and the other wasn't. <laughs> That's where their heads, their bet, bets, if you ask them that, some of them have thought about it will say, well, there could be some uh, remnant left among the Hamites. And so that's why some of them are doing missions to Africa now. But, you know, you mentioned about uh, there's no place where it says – Israelites will own slaves. There are passages they use for this. And, uh, you know, if you haven't heard these, it can be tricky. So Isaiah 14 is probably the most common one. For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and will again choose Israel and will set them in their own land. And so sojourners will join them and will attach themselves to the house of Jacob. And the peoples will take them and bring them to their place. And the house of Israel will possess them in the Lord's land as male and female slaves. They will take captive those who were their captors and rule over those who oppressed them. So that's a, a key proof text there. They say, what do you mean? We are going to have slaves. So they'll, they'll point to the ones, and there's some other ones like that that they'll point to, such as Revelation 13, 9, 10. This one's especially egregious, the... Isaiah 1, uh, 14, 1 could be a little more challenging. The Revelation 13, 1, though, actually, it's not going to translate it as well as far as for their purposes in the ESV. 
because the ESV is more accurate here to to the the the, the grammar, but you still get the idea. Revelation thirteen ten says, "If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with a sword must he be slain." And uh, the KJV rendering of it makes it sound like you hypothetically could. Uh, look at it as, oh, if anyone enslaved, they'll now be enslaved, and if anyone captured, they'll now be captured. But uh, that is talking about uh, on a lot of interpretations, depending on your interpretation of eschatology. But that, well, even if you want to make it more general, you don't even have to get into the eschatology. Basically saying, during times of persecution, whoever God has deemed and predestined and foreordained to experience certain levels of trials and tribulations and persecution, that's what they'll experience. That's that's what the passage is actually about. It's saying God knows who will experience what, and it's God's will who will suffer in what way. It doesn't have anything to do with if you captured somebody, now you'll get captured. But that's how they render it. Yeah. And let me uh, – there's a guy, Israel Rise, that's the guy that sent the email. I'll challenge him to come on in, go to Apologetics Live com. There's a link to join. You could join, and if you think that you can argue, make better arguments, because uh, <clears throat> he's he's saying he wrote the he, he's uh he's gonna e- I guess he's gonna email you, but he's got a more legit argument. But <clears throat> you know, there there's the the thing I find interesting about this vocab is I've had for I forget how long a couple of years all of these guys that were telling me they want to debate me and. They wouldn't. They wouldn't show up. I don't know if you remember the the debate that I did, sort of debate. Uh, and and folks, you go striving fraternities uh, YouTube channel and look up Black Hebrew Israelites. You'll see two debates out there. One, the first one was really to show that none of them were willing to show up and debate. And I basically debated all the guys that said they would debate me, and they all showed up, and we showed an empty chair. <laughs> and I debated an empty chair, but it did get you know, someone to show up and uh, I did actually get a, a actual debate and I think it went well because he really didn't make his points well. And uh, I didn't quite know who he was, but you actually knew of him. Uh, actually, I think you called me at like two in the morning to talk about it once. <laughs> did I? I, no, I, right. be, I do not. I do not remember to be honest. Who was it? It was, uh, let me, I got to look up his name now. If you show me, I don't remember. I'm so sorry. No. Well, you, I remember you calling me at like two in the morning and that was, uh, that was when, uh, it was what it was you, uh, who else was on the calls? You, it was, uh, there were, t- uh, two others. Oh, I can't remember who, who, <laughs> and, and it was an accidental Skype call. <laughs> and you guys were just talking about that guy that I had debated. Zodak, oh. I think was his name. Say Z- Zadok. Oh, Z- yeah, let me look. Oh, Zadok. Okay, okay. You don't. You don't. Oh, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. The middle of the think, night. Wait. Well, you know we're on West Coast time. You're on East Coast time. Uh, Sorry. Oh, Zadok. Zadok Ben Israel. Yeah. Yes. Zadok. Yeah. He he's debated. That's good. That's good. Um, he's um, he's not a one wester. He wouldn't say the thing about hardcore slavery. In fact, here's his analogy. Uh, well, I think I already gave it, didn't I? Where I gave the husband and wife relationship. That's his relation. That's his analogy for um, 
the Israelites and other nations at the at the end of days. So he wouldn't have the hardcore slavery position. He uh, actually does Christian hip hop. So he's been in churches and stuff and goes on tours and stuff. And I don't think most of the churches know what's going on with his theology. So I've made a couple of videos where I try to let people have a chance to know what he teaches and believes. Um, but yeah. So there's a fellow, Andrew, here. He's uh, from a land down under, and he said he's got a question about slavery. So let me. Yeah, that's my friend Andrew Graham. I I, I know Andrew. That's me. Yeah, that's me. What's up, bro? Um, How are you doing? Question. Yeah, well, my ceiling is up lately. If, if it's not up, then um, I'm dead. Um, otherwise, I'm well. Um, but my question: um, Abraham was uh, had Eliezer as the first slave, essentially. How do they reconcile that? What do you mean exactly? I'm, I don't. How do they reconcile? Um, what? The, well, what would they have to say about that? Would they have anything to say about that? My guess they would say that's how it should be. Okay. Okay. Essentially, but, it, so this was interesting. Ask them: Is slavery wrong? Mm-hmm. And if it's one of the guys who believes in hardcore slavery for the other nations, they can't actually say objectively, morally that. You know, chattel slavery or brutal they can't say it's wrong. It really just depends who's doing it to who. Yeah. Although we know in Abraham's case, because we see the relationship with Eleazar, in fact, he was gonna possibly become the heir. That that, uh yeah, it wasn't that it wasn't like antebellum slavery. But that's what they would say. Saying, yeah, that's 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 the order of things. That's the order of things. Okay, and I thought it was going to, because I mean, it it says as as it says, as you know, in the Bible, it says uh, he's one of the conversations that he has with God. He's talking about how his Eliezer is going to uh, get everything that's mine, and uh, Israel uh, Isaac isn't going to get any. Well, I don't have a kid. Yeah, yeah. So that's not you know that's nothing like antebellum slavery. You know, those yeah, in the South. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I've not fully understood, but yeah, I just thought I'd try and figure that one out. Thanks. All right. So, so we got, uh, Israel rise came in. You can unmute yourself and we could see if you could make your argument better by way. Vocabby tells you to go to Hosea one. Doesn't say anything else. He just told you to go to Hosea one. Well, I have a question. Um, Israel rise. You said all praise and glory to Yahawashai. Why do you say Yisrael, which is modern Israeli Hebrew pronunciation, but then you say Yahawashai, which is Lashawan Kodash? Which language or version of Hebrew do you hold to? Why are you why is your name modern Israeli Hebrew, but you're using Yahawashai? Because you're mixing two different forms of Hebrew. Because if you believe Yisrael is the correct pronunciation for Israel, then you shouldn't be using Yahawashai. That's what I'd be very, very interested in. Yisrael Rise. Well, I've unmuted him. He keeps muting himself. I guess he doesn't want to talk. We'll try this again. I'll unmute well, did, him one more time. Did you, did you understand my point, what I was trying to say, uh, Andrew? Yes. You know, because Yahawashai is what they call Jesus, you know, Yeshua, right? And so uh, that's how Lashwan Kodash would do it. But so, yeah, he's not going to answer. 
He just wants me to – I don't think we're going to sit here and read all of Hosea 1. He's saying read all of Hosea 1. And he dropped out. <laughs> there we, you go. Well, so, maybe someone could look at Hosea 1 if they'd like, and we could talk about it. I don't I don't want to – if someone else could read it, I could well, eat a rolled taco real quick here, or something. Here's the problem. You could read Hosea 1, but <laughs> just saying Hosea 1 is not an argument because the issue is what about Hosea 1? How is it he's interpreting Hosea 1? What's the argument he's even made? What's he saying that we're, we should find in Hosea 1? I mean, we could go a lot of different places. And Jason Manning, I think, got it right. He said uh, he tapped out. That's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu term. Uh, <laughs> so he came in and tapped out. He, he didn't even – he didn't get very far. <laughs> Vocab you Isn't that where they name the kids? I would have thought that would have sunk him. Yeah, well, I think I think vocab your your first question must have scared him. He he, he <laughs> said that he when he came before he came in in chat on on YouTube he was saying that he could provide a better argument than you. But but was he, what was the he was saying it was an argument for what for the hardcore slavery? Is that what he was saying? I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I can read them out real fast, and I can read them just like they, what they say or how they say it. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, <laughs> the son of Barry. I don't know that that would be that. That's that, that, right. That's right. Yeah, so I'm not sure what his argument was. And that's that's you know this is let, let me give this as a a learning thing for folks, and sometimes Christians do this as well, and this is a bad thing to do. Do not think that just by shouting out a citation of scripture, that that is always an answer to an argument. Okay. No. If, if I just give you a citation, that is not an argument. If we're having a discussion and you say, well, look here, this is going to answer it. And you give a citation and that's that directly answers it. That might be one thing. But a lot of the times what you end up finding is that people give citations and the real issue is, it comes down to how you're interpreting that passage or what you're seeing that how that passage applies to this. And if you just give the citation, that's not, that's not a refutation. And a lot of people do argue this way and it's a bad way to argue. The citational by itself is not enough. You, you have to give an argument. And, and that's why we're struggling now with his, because we don't know what his argument was. We only know Hosea one. What about Hosea one? Don't know. I think I'm seeing his uh, the idea that he's trying to say. I think he's talking about the lineage and such because he's saying uh, in Hosea one eight it says when when she weaned no mercy she conceived and bore a son and the Lord said call his name not my people for you are not my people and I am not your God. Um, I think he might be saying that's uh, evidence or proof of some kind of temporary rejection for Israel. And so that's proving mm-hmm. that uh, they would no longer be clearly identified as the Hebrew Israelites. And I think he would want to go to the other part of Hosea to say, look, but then there's a time where God is uh, calling them back to himself or saying they're his people again. Maybe he was, so I, maybe he was saying something about this is a uh, prophetic in regards to, 
Israel losing their connection to to God and then getting it back. It might be. But of course, here's the thing with this. <laughs> this needs to be interpreted in light of Romans. That's the, right. that's and that's what they don't like to do. Because when I go there and I show them, they'll say, "So wait, you're trying to tell me the guys who were not as people and now are are Gentiles?" I say, "Well, what else are you going to do with Romans?" And that's where they get into this weird thing where a lot of them take the word Gentile in any kind of scripture that indicates something positive towards Gentiles. And guess what they Mm. do? They say that simply means a scattered Israelite in a Gentile state of mind. Lost Israelites is is what they're saying it means. Whenever it's contextually helpful, though, (laughs) but they, they don't do it all the time. They'll say, and if you laugh at that, they'll say, well, don't you believe that context should determine the interpretation? Now, I'm giving you some of the more sophisticated guys' arguments because a lot of the mm-hmm. guys uh, don't do that. But I try to say, here's the yeah. best. Because because here's, let me make some predictions. Hebrews lights are going to grow. And like every other religious movement, as they go on, they change. One of the things that causes these groups to change is substantial interaction with Christian critics. Mm-hmm. When that happens, some of the groups will develop more sophisticated arguments, and they'll do things like rip off Jehovah's Witness arguments, rip off uh, Islamic arguments that are helpful, rip off actually some perhaps um, in some Mormons. cases. Yeah, yeah uh, even maybe uh, the anti-missionary movements among you know uh, Jewish people, things like that. And every now and then develop some of their own. Oh, tap into Hebrew roots movements for sh- uh, and, yeah. and then and then take british or anglo-israelite movements and then flip them around so they've got a lot of resources actually to get uh, a whole cadre of more sophisticated bad argumentation my point is that's going to happen because i'm i'm seeing their changes in the past three years where some of them becoming more sophisticated so here's my point it's true there's silliness that goes on but watch out people don't always join religions or whatever it is they're getting a part of strictly for intellectual reasons There can be powerful, emotionally and morally felt needs that the religion satisfies. And the intellectual arguments almost become a afterthought. But it catches up to where those intellectual arguments aspect of it become more sophisticated over time. So my point is they're going to do this and you'll see it and we'll just have to kind of be ahead of them and constantly shutting each one down like a game of whack-a-mole. But I just encourage people to watch out because you may think they're the eisegetical underdog, and they are, but these groups can creep up on you, and we just got to be prepared. That's that's sort of what I see in the future, and so the apologetic community should be uh, aware, at least those who are engaging with this. Well, you know, this is done that people often don't understand. When I talk about Islam, you end up having this a lot where logic – when you get them to a point where logically it doesn't make sense, they just, they don't care. I mean, they'll throw logic out the window. Um, you, you're seeing this, I mean, here, you know, this guy uh, that came in that sent the email and I, I'm just looking back because I was trying to see if he gave an argument and he ended up saying, I'm going to email vocab an even more legit argument. Now that's interesting. If we, if we parse that, because what he's saying is the email he sent to me is not legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to send you vocab one that's more legit, but yet the one that he sent me is based on taking 
one word, Adam, and and instead looking up the Hebrew for Adham and saying they're the same. <laughs> they're two different words. It's, that's like me saying, uh, you know, the, the word, I'm trying to think of two words that are close, uh, save and slave. That they have, you know, that we could just use them interchangeably because they only one letter off. They'd have a huge difference in meaning. And so that's his argument. So maybe he'll send you a more legit <laughs> argument. But <clears throat> let me ask you this. When you're saying the, the more scholarly, how do they deal with it? I mean, the key verse that they, that they have is the Deuteronomy 28 passage. Uh, I think it's a 50. Uh, it's the last verse, but I think it's 58 or 59. That's the key passage. Now you're saying that some of them are going to argue that we should look in context, but if you look at that passage in, in context, I, I don't see how you could possibly get to the point of the, where they try to argue for this being a prophecy. Well, I mean, I wasn't necessarily saying academic, although there's a couple guys who try to dip into academic sources every now and then, but sophisticated, like more steps, because a lot of times Hebrew Israelites are used to catching people on the street and being able to drop them in a metaphorical sense with one punch. So when Christians have responses, you know, they become over time more adept at being like, oh, I need to have a counter response to this. It's taking them time, but they're they're getting there. And then they start borrowing, borrowing all their arguments. Some of them even uh, rip off Christian apologetics and just change a couple things because consistency is not a, a hallmark of the religion. I think, though, what the guy was trying to say with Hosea 1, I texted a friend about this, and uh, and it and it makes sense just briefly. What they try to do is to say Hosea 1 and 2 are clearly referring to Israelites. So then when Romans 9 quotes those texts, Romans 9 has to be referring only to Israelites. And that is the proof text they use for the method of turning the word Gentile sometime into an Israelite. Instead of allowing Paul to define his terms where he's clearly saying, those who are not my people will be my people, the Gentiles. They go back to Hosea and say, no, this is only the context here of these folks being Israelites. So when Paul quotes it, that means it's saying these are Israelites. And so it's a way to basically say God is saying there in Romans 9, the Israelites who are far off are now going to be part of the, the, the proper body. Because a lot of them basically view that that's what's happening. Like that's what they're doing right now. They're sort of fulfilling that prophecy. So I don't know if that makes sense. It's it's, it's almost like a, they retcon it for the nerds in the audience who know what retcon is. But I think that's what he's probably trying to do with Hosea 1 and 2. Does that make sense, Andrew, what I'm trying to explain or no? Well, it's the first time I'm hearing it. I'm trying to understand it in their perspective, and I can see that it would, I think, fit with their perspective. Right. They're, I don't think it would fit with the context. No, of course not, because <laughs> you, you have to not allow Paul to define – what is his terms and in and follow his own argumentation of all of the Pauline letters, but even within that little Romans nine through eleven pericope, and um, but that's that's one of the ways they they do it is like limiting the interpretation based upon 
the understanding of Hosea that they would utilize. And then saying this, so this is just another way to talk about lost Israelites, Gentiles. The proof is Hosea 1 and 2 did it. Paul's doing the same thing as in Romans. Well, let me let me throw this out for folks to when it comes to interpreting scripture. One of the key, there's two key things when we're going to interpret scripture. The first is context. And I think a lot of people understand that. You have to read it in context. The context defines the meaning of words, the meaning of phrases. If you say something that is an idiom, that you're going to see that from the context. If I say I'm so hungry I can eat a cow, you don't think I could literally eat a cow. You're going to recognize that as an idiom because it doesn't make sense. But, you know, just those words by themselves. But there's a second thing that vocab just mentioned. That's a second most important thing when it comes to interpreting scripture. And that's called authorial intent. What did the author mean by what he wrote? And if you heard what vocab just said, it's, well, what did Paul mean by his words? Paul knows the meaning of his words. Paul had a meaning for his words. Our job is to understand what Paul meant by his words, not to say, what does this mean to us today? Or how could I use Paul's words to make an argument that I wish the Bible said? When you do something like that and you take the Bible and you you try to see how it fits into something that you want to believe, you do not have God's word. You have man's word. To give a paraphrase quote that's translated from um John Calvin, Calvin had said something about that if if you twist God's word, you have nothing but man's word. And that's what these guys have. They have man's word, which with with a lot of wishful thinking and vocab, you really hit the nail on the head. What I find with many of them, it is an emotional thing. This is why when you try to argue with them, bring out the text of scripture. And a lot of times you sit there and try to explain context and they really don't care. They don't care a whit about that. It's more an emotional thing. For many of them, it's something that they're trying to uh, uh, have a superiority, I want to say, or other groups of people. That's that othering you were mentioning. Well, um, uh, folks who study this, um, as far as uh, what you might call black religion in America, recognize that one of the common features is to respond to historical white racism or white supremacy encroachment upon societal issues. And the second is to have a properly framed sense of identity. Since if you have what looks like to be some kind of Christianity that says it's okay if you're black and we're going to make you sit up in the balcony or it's okay if we say you can't read the Bible unless your master is present and that kind of thing happening, having a response to that. And so if you look at, for example, the nation of Islam, it, it tries to answer those questions. And so it gives a response to those questions, to the, to those struggles, to those challenges. And then it adds another component, which is not only that, but the doctrine is wrong. And then there'll come a doctrinal critique element as well. And so Hebrew Israelism uh, does that as well. And so, you know, we've got a, a document that's part of our founding document in the United States that has slaves as essentially counting as three-fifths of person, uh, court decisions that say black folks are property, 
um, separate but equal, but it was never equal and always just separate. And you look at this, and it's con- it's it's laws, and 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 there's redlining, which is if you're black, you cannot move into a certain area. And this is actually done by city planners. I mean, this stuff really happened. And then sometimes there weren't little red lines and maps, but there were invisible lines you couldn't cross. And if you did, you got in trouble, like the 1951 Cicero riots, where four thousand white folks attacked one black family moving into an apartment in Cicero. It happened in 1951. It's, it's unbelievable. You have all that happen. And then someone says, see this book that's important. This book's about you, your descendants of the people spoken about and here in this book. And guess what? It doesn't just teach you to quote, love everybody like you've been taught. This teaches you that you're better than everybody, and in the future, we'll build a nation in which you rule over them. And the way we can get there is by returning to God and our culture. How do we do that? By keeping the law, statutes, and commandments in order to begin to raise up our nation. And then when we do that, God will come back and do the rest. And then instead of it being Gentile heaven like it is now, it's going to be Gentile hell and Israelite heaven. And that guy's name that just came in here reflects that. Yisrael Rise. And in, in, in uh, Lashawan Kadash, it would be Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala means rise Israel. When do Hebrew Israelites out on the street say Kwam Yasharala? One main time. They say it other times, but there's one main time where the Hebrew Israelites out on the street say Kwam Yasharala. So the rising of Israel. It's whenever they get a member of another nation to bow down and kiss their boots. That's when the cries of Kwam Yasharala are generally offered forth. And it's a sign to them of the vassal relationship that should be proper. And so it's happening. It's starting to happen is sort of the way it is, which is the opposite of what's been happening to our people prior to this. So – you know, theology is one thing, but this is different than Mormonism because there's other factors involved that aren't quite as present in other religions because some of the questions being answered are different. And I just encourage apologists to understand that if they're going to get involved with this. And I think we should always be open to learning new facts about history and learning new ways to be empathetic without empathizing for people's bad doctrine. And so I just mentioned that to say um, there's a lot going on, sort of. And that's why the religion's growing. It's not shrinking. Well, I think, I, I think it's grown because there is, an, there is a, a lot of hard feelings, uh, very um, – I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's an emotional issue, the, the whole issue of racism uh, on – and and this I do think feeds into it. It it, it says th- this is the same superiority that we saw in Nazi Germany, where they could then suppress other people because they're superior. They have this right to do it because they're better. Um, and so that becomes something that I think is appealing for many of them. I don't think they're doing it because they've they've studied the scriptures and they see this clearly taught i think that they want it to be true because it makes them feel superior it makes them feel better about the 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 life they have in america and they're going to have an even better one and everyone's going to be subjective to them 
well, they might just simply say, yeah, and that's what your people have been doing to my people uh, for the past 400 years. Yeah. It, so it, it wasn't so, my people because my people never did that. You know, <laughs> well, well, I mean, um, people in the forties were, uh, slaves. <laughs> people in the forties were slaves. Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, there were Jewish slave owners. If, yeah. There were Jewish slave yeah, owners. But, yeah. I mean, it would either, there were some, it would, but my family wouldn't have been like, if, if tracing my family back, uh, we weren't in countries where that were slavery. I mean, if you go far enough back, but, uh, I would, I wouldn't have been, my family wouldn't have been in America during the slave period. And we would have been in countries that didn't have slavery. So I did. So when they, when they say that, well, you're responsible, I'm like, how? Well, reincarnation. Ah, so, so, okay. So let me ask you this. So with the re, if the view of reincarnation, do would they argue that everyone reincarnates of the same melanin count? You can't, you can't, jump ethnicities and in fact most of them teach you can't tribe jump either really if you're levi you've got to stay levi although there's a little bit of debate about some of them uh, about that particular issue can you tribe jump but all of them agree you cannot jump ethnicities it doesn't mean you're going to look the same or anything like that but you can't jump ethnicities okay so let's see so so you have adam and eve and well well So were all of the spirits born before Adam and Eve were created? Well, right? so here's the thing. If you study, and this is, again, I've, I've, I've just simply had to study this. Like, for example, this is a book on Cambridge. Uh, it's called The Forging of Races. And um, I'll just read one thing from the back of the book. Fixing his attention on the changing relationship between race and theology in the Protestant Atlantic world between 1600 and 2000, Kids shows that while the Bible itself is colorblind, its interpreters have imported racial significance into the scriptures. And so you look during the age of empires and you find that the Hamitic hypothesis and the curse, the curse of Cain, all very significant and and a lot of uh, a lot of interpretation and even pop pop understanding of the Bible in certain ways. So those, sometimes those interpretations got really bad. And, and and the thing is, I've had to read this stuff. You read commentators and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, where they basically say, there's no way, this is not everybody, this is some, but you see this. There's no way the Africans could have come from Adam and Eve. And they start developing, um, no longer, you know, mono, monogenesis for everybody. They'll have different sources for different people groups. And the reason is, is because, you know, supposedly the European is shocked at the inferiority of the African during the colonial era. So even the missionaries sometimes would posit these folks must have come from somewhere else, basically. Or they would actually sometimes mix and match evolutionary concepts, even Christians. And the thing is, the the thing is, this stuff is... It's in the records when you start reading it. It's it's really saddening. So they would uh, do things like that. My point by saying all that is some of the Hebrew Israelites do the same thing where you just mentioned Adam and Eve. Some of them have Adam and Eve being proto-Israelites and progenitors for Hebrew Israelites, but not for anybody else. And some of them get pretty bizarre with how they accomplish this. Hmm. I'll just share this. And in fact, 
I don't know if you guys heard this. Uh, last week here in Phoenix, a Hebrew Israelite thought his wife was having an affair, and so he killed her, two of his three daughters, and his brother, who was his camp leader. I spent significant time with that camp called Yahweh's Servants in Phoenix or Yahweh's Servants in Israel. Depends which day you ask them. And they taught me this interpretation. I didn't know where they were going for it until the end. And I was like, are you guys serious? Here's what they teach. Part of the sin of Eve and Adam was intermingling with the other nations in some way. Some of them will say that. And then when they hide among the trees, remember it says they hid among the trees. (laughs) They teach the trees are the other peoples, the other nations. And you'll say, wait a minute. And here's the way it works. They'll say, well, Adam and Eve are one strand of people, but there were other people present. For example, that explains where how Cain got his situation where there was already people present, other nations. But Adam and Eve are sort of a direct line to Abraham, but they're proto-Israelites. That's a word they actually use. They use the phrase proto-Israelite. These guys who get into this interpretation. And you, if you laugh at it, they'll say, oh, well, don't you understand that the Bible identifies sometimes – trees or bushes as people and you'll say what and they'll go like like a tree planted beside the water is a man who you know and they go to places where they can kind of show that some kind of similar metaphor and they'll say so go back here in genesis these trees are actually uh this sort of adam and eves of the other nations and adam and eve are hiding among them Mm. and um my point is they'll have now this is the one west interpretation these are the guys on the street if you talk to like other Hebrews lights, they're they'll say that's crazy. You know, they're not they're not going to agree with it. They have strong disagreement. However, they still will call them their brother. They'll still say they're their brother. They'll say their behaviors off or their tactics aren't good or some of their theology is wrong. But they'll still consider them a brother in some meaningful way to them. Well, see, I mean, the thing that <clears throat> I mean, this is where it, it gets confusing because so let's say the reincarnation view. If you have Adam and Eve, then, okay, which did Adam get reincarnated as an Israelite or a Hispanic or, you know, Arabian or right? because you have two people unless like you're saying they, they believe there are more people on the earth or I guess the other way would be if they start believing in things that Mormons believe that God created all the spirits and is just giving them bodies. And then when they get that body, they stay within that tribe and that ethnic group. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing that's how they'd have to argue. Uh, it seems like a strange argument. And, you know, if they're going to, and this is the thing that I always do when I get guys that say, like you're saying, they're going to say, well, trees or bushes can refer to people. Okay, if you're going to make that argument that a tree can be, you have to show why in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, or this would actually be Genesis 3, why a tree is actually a person. Because I get Genesis 2, well, 1 and 2, when God creates plants, they're really people. They would probably must say, oh, these are the other people groups maybe, but... The, the thing that would be a problem is then you must be consistent. Then every tree must be people. Was the fig tree that Jesus cursed? That's exactly, <laughs> exactly well, where I'm going to go. <laughs> that's where they get into, they'll try to say, don't you believe in context? Or um, um, that's where they might bring in line upon line, precept upon precept. 
to show that this is a proper interpretive method. Or sometimes if they're frustrated, they'll say, you know what? This is why Gentiles shouldn't even be picking up this book. This book's not even for you anyway. It's not given for you to teach. It's not given for you to interpret. You're not a spiritual people. You're a carnal people. You, you know, you think you know something, but you can't interpret this book anyway. So just you might as well just put the Bible down. Uh, go have a bunch of sex and do whatever you crazy Gentiles like to do and just wait for your slavery because that's all you got to look forward to. Again, these are the One West guys on the street. And the reason I mention them primarily is because those are the guys you're kind of running into because, you, you know, I saw you street preaching and stuff like that. That's a kind of guy out there. But Zadok, for example, uh, he would disagree with a lot of this and he would say, vocab's at it again. He always takes the bad seeds of Israel and he lumps them on all together, and that doesn't make any sense because Hebrew Israelite is simply an ethnic designation. What kind of person takes an ethnic designation and then starts talking about religion? Hebrew Israelite is an ethnicity. They could have all kinds of different religions, something like that. And, of course, that claim, of course, is circular. For him to say Hebrew Israelite is an ethnic designation, it's based upon his understanding of a religious claim. So even him saying that, it's... It's circular. No, like, no, 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 because you saying that is assuming what we're talking about, which is the Hebrews light is an ethnic designation strictly because that's what you're holding to as part of your religious claim. It's not a religious claim. Why do you say religious claim? Because you're using the Bible to try to justify the that's the main way you're giving your justification for this belief. That's a religious claim proper. So yeah. that's that's kind of how it is. But if like Zadok watches the show, he'll say this is why people don't trust Focat because he always tries to lump everybody in together and, and all that kind of stuff. Although I try to be careful because there's no sense in lying or t- giving people bad information. You know what I'm saying? But you listen to your average Hebrew Israelite. They say the term Sunday Christian, and they literally just mean all Christians. And so, like, if, you know, as far as being careful, we, we're very far ahead in that category. You know, Sunday Christian describes all Christians. Well, I had, I had, and I think you saw this, some of the video on this, when I was out in New York City, I had been, I basically, we had someone that was doing some open air evangelism, and we were training him and helping him, and so he's up there, and he got a black Hebrew Israelite, and so I started to kind of mouth to him, ask him this, because it was, for me, it was training him, and then all of a sudden, his buddies came in, and I realized, okay, time for you to come down, and I'll get up and, and deal with this, because it, it there's a specific way to deal with them in the especially in the open air like that and and he was going to get overwhelmed because they'll come in a mob mentality you got to identify one and and just deal with the one and try to get the others to be quiet and show that they're being rude because that's what they'll do they try to outshout you and um it's a common thing now the interesting thing with it was when i took that and then I did a podcast about that incident and played some of the video clips and you hear the audio, you hear the way I'm trying to teach people how to deal with these guys on the street. We actually had a group and I'd have to look it up and I probably still have the lawyers thing somewhere. Um, and I could probably tell you which group, but we actually got a letter from an attorney telling us to take that down because I state that that some groups believe that that they'll they'll enslave whites and rape our women, and and this group doesn't believe that it was it was something like Israel, it's like ICCC I think or something like that. IUIC. Yeah. Okay. I would love to see that letter, please. 
Okay. Please, please, please. I had a similar situation where when I began my doctoral studies at Talbot, which I've had to discontinue for now, hopefully one day I get back there because this thing is kind of taking over my life. But uh, when I was first starting and um, I did like one interview, I didn't know it was going to be such a big deal. And I talked about what I was doing and stuff and studying it and whatever. The Melanated People's Council of Elders, I don't know what that is, sent a very long professional legal like looking PDF document email to Talbot's Dean basically threatening legal action against Talbot. If I was allowed to proceed with my prop with my doctoral project because it was racist and they were quoting me giving time codes from the end. It was unbelievable. And I had to talk to the Dean and he was like, well, actually I had to end up talking to the president, but long story. Anyways, he said, I've never seen anything like this. Like, we've never had a, a situation where, you know, like a student was threatened by the, it, it was bizarre, right? Yeah, but, why? I mean, we got, we got a letter to the ministry telling us we had to cease and desist. We had to pull that down because their group doesn't believe that. And yeah. basically our attorney said, well, you know, <laughs> um, if you, if you listen to the podcast and he gave the, the timestamps, he said, some, <laughs> believe this and then and i said to the attorney i said if you want we got video that's on a youtube channel of a hebrew israelite where they're saying exactly what i said they say now i didn't say they all believe that and so and this is where you're saying we do have to sometimes be careful and someone like zadak will you know call you out if you if you say this but unfortunately this may be more the majority that you're going to see on the streets believing this maybe not the majority of them, but right. And that's difficult to to see. No one really truly kind of knows the numbers, but as far as on the street, yeah, that's who you're going to, you know, kind of see. And, uh, but yeah, I want to see that letter. That's fascinating. I will will send it to you. They've got into some of that. Some of the groups are starting to get into a mild church of Scientology tactics like that, because uh, we've had some other situations like that. And so, uh, you know, it's (laughs) basically, um, this is not a group most apologists, I think, want to uh, get involved with. Basically, it's not you. <laughs> it's not real fun unless you think stuff like this is fun. Yeah. And um, you, you basically have to like really want to be beaten up and torture yourself to enjoy doing with this group. Yeah, or it's like you know you just have a certain vibe that's like <laughs> it's all good. Bring it on. You know, like the way David Wood feel, feels about you know, hardcore Islam that he deals with, like he's perfectly happy, you know? And so I, I kind of have a similar mentality. I'm like, all right, it is what it is guys. So I listen to videos where they're talking about me and stuff and just shake my head and laugh every now and then they say, or do something that genuinely bothers me, but it's, it's few and far between. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to be wrapping up and I know, uh, I don't know if you, if uh, vocab, you see any of the inside chat here, but John's going to do an after show. I don't know if you want to join that or not. Um, usually that's more of an open discussion where anyone can join and the free and, for all really. Yeah. I am okay to join, but maybe some other time. Here's why. Remember yeah. I was reading you the stuff that I was writing. I am behind on that and I have to get back to the writing. And uh, I wanted to come on for a little bit with you yeah. guys, but I got to, 
Yeah. I know you want to come on for an hour. You've been on for an hour and a half. And I know I still got to, I got to be teaching tomorrow to a good Friday service and I'm still not done. So I know I'm going to have to do that. I'll throw the link out for uh, the hangout um, on the council's uh, website, uh, Facebook page. And I'll just see if anyone wants to join in. If okay. no one joins in, then Hey, send me if you, you could drop the link in the chat okay. here. Uh, yeah. the, the outside chat if you want and also okay. my channel is premiering a little 12 minute interview about with uh, Jeff Durbin about Jesus being the Messiah and so I want to be able to oh, be right. free when it, when it premieres so uh, well listen before you before you go vocab give it you know how can folks get a hold of you find out more of material I mean they can go get your book <coughs> Obama versus Hebrew Israelites yeah if you just oh. type in vocab alone okay. at or Amazon you only have find a book now right yeah, I'm working on a second one, but uh, will it ever get finished? You know, I'm working on it. Not if I Hopefully keep it. getting you in here. <laughs> yeah. I'm and Bokeh, on the it. only thing that uh, I want to say to you is uh, Muhammad was white. <laughs> <laughs> yep, white prophet power, you know, with Muhammad anyway. Uh, that is the funniest video ever. <laughs> uh, that yeah. was just the most hilarious discussion. I mean, this, they, they didn't know what to do. They were just like, no, I mean, that <laughs> was uh, quite a day. All right, guys, I got to go. All right. Well, Vokab, thanks, Vokab. Man, for coming in. And uh, for folks, as we wrap up, uh, just thank everyone who came in. Unfortunately, the guy who wrote that email, uh, Israel Rise, didn't rise to the occasion to actually stay in here. Um, I mean, we didn't even get to hear his voice. Vocab asked him one question, one question. And he bailed. He tapped out. Um, you could probably figure out why that might be if you were here for the beginning and you heard me read his email, actually go through the Hebrew, and you realize that the arguments he made just are not logical, valid. They're, it's, it's basically he was trying to do a form of a fallacy of equivocation, sort of but doing it on, on the sounds of words. So, but uh, folks, if you, if you're interested in finding out more of the podcast we have here, the shows that we do, we have a podcast called Apologetics Live. You could subscribe to that. It's free. You just go click on the link so you can listen to everyone. They download to your podcast app. And uh, we thank vocab for coming on. Uh, you're welcome. God bless. Yeah, I hope, I hope everyone gets to see vocab really knows the stuff in this. And, and that's why earlier today when I was going to respond to this, I shot him a quick text to say, hey, you want to come in? Because as I think you guys saw, he, he can address these things much better than I can for sure. Um, this is not an easy topic or group to, to research because they don't have things written down. They don't have like one clear belief system they're so fragmented it's so difficult so you know really if you could find out how to help vocab in getting this out here because this group is growing it became more known after that recent incident with the the kids who were um at a i think it was a trump rally I forget what it was and the but they they got national news because supposedly this Christian high school group was going after the black Hebrew Israelites. And when you actually watch a real video, it was reversed. But uh, the thing that you, we see is that this group is growing and there's not a lot of people that are willing to, to do the research. Like vocab said, it's not something that a lot of people 
want to study. It's not something easy to study. So if you guys can help support a guy like Vocab in what he's doing, it is a benefit to all of us who end up having to deal with these Hebrew Israelites as they continue to grow. So go check out the work he's doing, get his book that will help him. That'll help you. I'm going to go. I have not gotten my own copy, but I plan to order it tonight because I clearly need it. Uh, I deal with them a bunch, but uh, folks, this is, a ministry of striving fraternity. We put this on. We hope it's helpful, educational to you. Uh, I want to encourage you to go check out the rest of the podcasts on the Christian podcast community. We have a growing list and it's going to be growing a lot more. Um, we have several podcasters that have already applied and want to join. So if you're paying attention to the Christian podcast community, you're going to see a bunch of new podcasts coming out on that feed. And in that, in there, you can just go to christianpodcastcommunity.org and you can see all the ones that we have there. And it's going to be a growing list. And so we appreciate that. If you could support us by by downloading and listening to them by hitting the subscribe button on whatever app you have go search for them and add it to your library um and so want to encourage you to continue praying for matt slick as he's out trying to take care of packing some of you may or may not know his wife is basically can't do any of the work in packing up their home he's trying to do the entire thing himself while still working while doing everything that he's doing. And uh, so they're going to be trying to be moving. Uh, I think the date now got pushed out because they just weren't ready. There's some, uh, some things with their health insurance that becomes a problem. If they move too early, their deductible starts all over. So they're having to stay there until that can get figured out. So hopefully Matt and I will both be back next week. We'll see. But if not, if you're watching this live or listening to it, uh, well, be tomorrow from when we do it live, uh, is Resurrection Sunday. I hope that uh, you will think about and put in the the forefront of your mind the fact that Christ rose from the dead, but he didn't just rise from the dead for no reason. He rose from the dead, which vindicated that he was God Almighty, who came to earth as a man, died on a cross as a payment for our sin, paying the price that we owe, that we could never pay. God himself paid it on that cross. And he died, was buried as he predicted. Jesus Christ said that he would raise himself from the dead three days later. And that's exactly what he did. Dead people do nothing when they're just a man. They rot. But when you're God, You can raise yourself from the dead, vindicating that he was God and that he can offer to you the forgiveness of sin. If you repent, that means to turn away in your mind and your thinking, turn from trusting yourself as a good person, turn from your good works and turn to what Jesus Christ did on the cross as a payment of sin. I encourage you to do that today. Until next week, remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God.